0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Well, this is a new episode of Trump Watch Sussex. We're broadcasting today from Brighton, and I'm Melissa Milevsky. I'm a lecturer here in history. Um, my guest for today is Paul Taggart. He's a professor of politics here at the University of Sussex, and he works on global populism. He's in particularly interested in comparative populism and today we're going to be talking to him about Trump as a populist. Is Trump a populist? Was, did he run a populist campaign? Is he still a populist um, now that he's in office? And Paul's going to shed some light on all of these questions for us today. I wanted to start off, though, by defining what populism actually is, because it's very much a term that is different depending on who's defining it. There's a lot of different um, ideas that are kind of associated with populism. So, Paul, as we're talking today, what are kind of the key concepts that you see that define populism?
1: Well, I think you're right. There's been a lot of people using populism in a very different forms and very different ways and using it very very loosely Um, and within the academic study of populism there's actually a bit of convergence now there's actually more agreement than you'd imagine that doesn't necessarily extend to to the 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 newspapers and and more broadly but there's there's a kind of consensus I'd say about some of the the key ideas the things that I would stress are are that populism has three core attributes Um, the first of these is the idea um, that it, it is celebrating somehow the people and for many people, they talk about the notion of populism being people-centred. Now, that's a bit of an empty, empty idea in some respect, who is the people, um, who are, um, what, what constitutes them. That's a matter of debate. But there is something about populism that has a notion of uh, a kind of majority, uh, uh, actually of a monolithic people, Are people, a people uh, undifferentiated and having certain characteristics, being virtuous and, and being ordinary and being good. So that, that's one attribute, and it's that's, that's cast slightly differently by different scholars, but with, with, there's a lot of agreement about that in, in general, the idea of people centerness. The second idea that's, that's Im- important, again, and this is not, won't be a surprise to anybody, is a notion of being anti-establishment or anti-elite. Um, and again, that can be about different sorts of elites. It can be opposition to a kind of metropolitan elite. It can be opposition to, to politicians. It can be opposition to, to corporate elites as well, because populism crosses left and right. Uh, but there's something about anti-establishment, anti-elites um, that, that, that is core to populism. The third attribute that's important for me is that populism has a kind of reaction against politics. And by that, um, what I mean is, and I'm talking about kind of contemporary representative politics, not democratic politics, but representative politics in the form of politics that we kind of have most in the world at the moment. And populism has in it an, in, an instinctive Antagonism towards politics as an idea, as a process, and even as a practice. And sometimes I go so far as to say that populism um, is, uh, when it sees politics, it's, it's actually quite unpolitical. It, it celebrates unpolitics. Um, and of course, in practice, politician, populist politicians are, are, are political. But what you have is this confrontation between a kind of instinctive reaction against politics um, of being unpolitical in a political sphere. And it's that disjunction that, that comes out a lot. So those, those, th- those for me, are the three core elements of it. There are also what I'd call a kind of second series of things, you can call them tropes, or some people talk about a kind of populist playbook, a series of, of ideas that populists use. So you can see these. These are not not all populists have them, but you al- often see them. One would be the idea of conspiracy theories. The populists tend to, tend to like the idea of conspiracy theories, the idea that, that something's going on by a small group who's conspiring to... by covert action control things. Uh, A second idea is that populists are often quite sort of quasi-religious in the way that they approach politics. Religion is sort of a metaphor for them and this idea of the world being divided between good and evil and you can imagine, of course, the good of the people and the evil of the alienites. But there's something more, uh, more about that. More there's the ideas of kind of um, messianic, charismatic leadership and so on that's often there with populism. Not always, but but quite often.
0: That's interesting. I, I didn't. I, that's something that I haven't always associated with populism.
1: Well, and I'm not here. I'm not. I'm deliberately not saying it's not they're religious. I mean, the, clearly there's an overlap. You can have religious you know tea party and populism and so on that you know where you have religion and populism overlapping i'm not saying that i'm saying that all po- not all but a lot of populists will often resort to kind of religion as a kind of metaphor for ha- for a replacement for politics because they're unpolitical in some sense the third one is also I-, I think is the idea of war and i think within populism because they are, they are, um they celebrate unpolitics when they get into the political world it's actually much more of the, the metaphors there are much more like a a war situation, the idea of tribal conflict of absolute victory, and actually of, of um, you know we 've got to win this or, or it 's a ap- apocalyptic collapse, so you often get that the, the nature of conflict in in politi- in populist politics is often um, suffused with i think kind of undertones of, of kind of uh, of a war a uh, um, sort of martial conflict rather than the sort of forms of conflict which we think about. Which um, in in representative politics, which is often about consensus, about coalitions, and about changes, and what I would call kind of settlements being made and then unmade, and there being winners and losers. But no, for populism, it's it's all it's all one way or the other. It's absolute, and that absolute thing reflects the fact. That, you know, you see that in the pop, you see that in the religion thing, obviously the good and evil, but also that's that's the kind of I think kind of the war metaphor. So there's kind of secondary features, there are others, but they they they're kind of notions that you you sometimes get in populism or quite often get but but they're not essential to it but they reveal and i think they come from those, those core features uh, the other thing you'd add about populism which makes it very very difficult is that populism nearly always combines with other ideologies or other ideas so there's no such thing as pure populism populism always it's like a um uh an idea that it has to have the, um, the values of other ideologies attached to it to make it into a full set of, of political practices. So searching for the pure populism is, is something that's not going to happen, but that also makes it very, very hard to analyse because what, therefore it means that every, every form of populism is very much reflects pump, the elements that it's attached to as well as its populism. So finding the, the minimal features is, is quite difficult and quite hard, and it means that people often get distracted by what might be actually features of the ideology that it is attached to. Populism goes from left to the right of the spectrum. You might not think that, but it does. You know, Historically, and even in the contemporary world, there are left-wing versions of populism, right-wing versions of populism. and um, Populism isn't necessarily attached to any particular issue. Uh, the context in which it arises often gives it um, uh, a key part of its characteristics. I call that being chameleonic, that populism always reflects part of the context it arrives in.
0: That's fascinating. What would be an example of a different ideology that populism might be attached to
1: well populism can, can attach to left-wing ideas of social justice and 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 it can attach to right-wing ideas of of tradition and, and authority so um it, it can almost attach to anything that's not quite true There are certain values that it has quite difficult dis- attaching to traditional liberal values in the european sense it has great difficulties it doesn't like the idea of rights and it doesn't like the idea of process but but populism can attach itself to very different forms it can attach itself to nationalisms it can attach itself um, to anti-immigrant sentiment, it can attach itself to um, being uh, uh, like the Occupy movement against uh, trying to against a small elite dominating. So lots of different versions of, of ideologies it can attach to.
0: Interesting, so it's an equal opportunity yeah. <laughs> ideology. So, well, let's let's move into kind of thinking about the, the United States um, today. We're obviously um, talking about populism in America, and populism isn't. Appearing in America for the very first time with Donald Trump, how would how would you say populism has fared in America? And I know there's a long, complicated history, but just kind of briefly, populism in America what what is their kind of relationship?
1: Well, America has the the most instances of populism of anywhere in the world, right? So, in some cases, in some senses, it's actually the the the, the, uh, the, the sort of the paradigm example of where populism emerges. Um, and it's emerged throughout American history but in some very very different forms and I would say that the populism um, has emerged very often for short periods um, it's been quite episodic it, uh, it certainly started in the 1870s, 18, 1880s, 18, 1890s with the, the People's Party, that's the origin of the word, word populism uh, in, the, in its English form um, but it's appeared in, through characteristics like, and, and through politicians uh, throughout history whether it's you know Huey Long or um, um, McCarthy some people would say is populist or um, Pat Buchanan, Ross Perot there are often, so there are often moments of populism uh, throughout American history but they often have different characteristics and I think that um, they often, the, the, we don't want to say because populism emerges in America it always has the same form it is quite variegated there's something about American politics and the American political system that encourages populism um, it's almost endemic within within the structures. So that's not to mean it comes out all the time, but it means that populism can work quite effectively. Um, both at a level of institutionally, the way that politics functions, because it's about constraints on, on, on elites, but also in terms of, of mass populations. I think there's something about in American values about individualism mixed with, with, with forms of collectivism that actually work very well with populist ideas and the idea of a populist heartland, the idea that there's a core America, a middle America, perhaps some people would say, is a, a very natural idea and a very powerful idea that works for many different politicians and has done over history through through time.
0: That's that's very interesting. So now let's just get a bit more specific and let's jump into to Trump. And there's going to be two quick questions that we'll be talking about. First, was Trump a populist during his campaign? And then we'll get into whether he was he's currently kind of acting as a populist now that he's president. So let's start start with the campaign. Did Trump run a populist campaign? In your opinion, were there some aspects that were populist others that were not? What do you think?
1: I think Trump did run a a populist campaign. I think he became um, emblematic of of, of populism in in its general sense, so there's no question his campaign was populist in totality. The only question I have, though, is if you you think about the three criteria, populism, he he doesn't actually hit all three of them consistently. I would suggest to you that he is absolutely typical of an anti-establishment politician. You know his attacking of the elites, whether that be the media, whether that be the, be the political class, whether that be his opponent Hillary Clinton's campaign. Um, and campaign, and that is a crucial part of his identity. It's about being anti-establishment. So there's no question. He ticks that box really nicely. Uh, in. In terms of, of um, being unpolitical, absolutely. I mean, it, here we have somebody who's never held elected office.
0: He's the essence of unpolitical in many abso- ways, isn't way. he?
1: Absolutely. He's the outsider coming in, although not all outsiders <laughs> are populists. But he is an outsider, an unpolitics person, somebody coming from business and from the media and coming in, uh, and but also you know running against the way that politics. Um, Operates and being prepared to say things that that politicians wouldn't say in in a normal context to be shocking and and to shake things up. The the idea of him, the dead cat idea of putting the the new conversation on the table just by throwing something new in there and and shifting the debate. So he he ticks that unpolitics box. What's interesting, though, is he doesn't really tick the the, the people box. For Trump... um, he doesn't really have a conception of the people as being a monolithic, virtuous mass. Um, and I think that he talks about the people and he talks about wanting to represent people and people being, being uh, excluded. But, but a real populist would say, I'm here to channel you. I'm here to channel your, uh, your virtuousness and your common sense and your wisdom. But, but Trump doesn't, doesn't do that. Trump says, I'm here as a fixer. The person that I'm here to, to give you is Donald Trump. I'm not here to give you the ordinary people's wisdom. I'm here to fix things. I can make solutions. Again, that's quite unpolitical in some respects. But he doesn't have a conception of the people. He doesn't, and he it was never been. It was never a strong part of his campaign. Now, of course, you know, all politicians will talk about the people and the excluded and so on. But I don't think uh, if you really drill down into what he, what he believes, he's not trying there to. to to represent ordinary, common v- virtues and, and and the masses, he's there to represent the unrepresented, to 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 some extent to make those people being excluded bring them into the system. Uh, but that's because he has particular skills in his idea that I can fix things, I can make things happen, uh, and that is and it's more a Donald Trump centered campaign than uh, than a people centered campaign.
0: That's very interesting. So, in the essence, it seems. He in some ways hits hits the boxes of a populist, but not completely um, in his campaign.
1: Well, I think what you see in his campaign is kind of in in the three uh, kind of primary things that you need for populism. He 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 ticks two out of three boxes. In the second, in the secondary characteristics, I talked about those metaphors of of war and the metaphor of. Uh, of conspiracy theory and, and the metaphor of, kind of being sort of quasi-religious, I think he he ticks those all those ones. So if you like, he's a kind of five out of six populist. You know, he, he in practice he's pretty much he's pretty much a populist. And he's, uh, but there's an interesting nuance there about about what he about how he views the people. So he, he's nearly in practice we can see him as a populist. Um, and as I say to you, there is no pure populist. So you know to some extent well, let's go with what we have.
0: No, that absolutely makes sense. So, do you think that he was successful in some ways because of of kind of ticking these populist boxes? Because he was anti-establishment, because um, he was outside of politics. Is this, in many ways, what made him successful in this last election?
1: Well, that's a sixty-four million dollar question, isn't it? What did what, why was why was Trump successful? Um, and I think there's no there's no doubt that the that he was embodying those core ideas of populism that have always had resonance for, amongst the, the American population, and and work well within the American political system. The idea of running outside, of being an outsider, of being outside the beltway, of of seeing, of wanting to drain the swamp—that's all very, very pu- powerful. Um, but I think the reason for for his Success, it's not down to simply his populism. There's other other features about him, and there's also other features to to the way that the the Clinton campaign was run and and the way that she was presented that actually were, were. I'm not necessarily blaming her. I'm just saying that she was a gift to a, to a populist. The idea of if you want to run against the establishment, she's the quintessential
0: be more... establishment, isn't she? Exactly.
1: She, she, if you wanted the kind of the perfect cartoon of what's wrong with the establishment from the populist conception, it'd be somebody who's been involved in politics before, who's been married to a president, who's been secretary of state, who's been and has done all that stuff. So she was she she worked well for the sorts of politics he had. But what we didn't expect was that his disruption his disruptiveness and his breaking of the rules and his sense of saying things in, in ways that, that kind of in inverted commas shouldn't be said. We didn't know how effective that was going to be. That was that was the big surprise. I think people thought in the end, well, well people will like that to kind of beat up on the establishment. Uh, but will, is that enough to build a coalition of, of, of uh, electoral success? Mm, I don't know. But actually, it turned out it was. Um, but that's not simply down to, to um, his... His characteristics, or other features about you know the long-term shape of American electorate and and, and and loss of party support, and there are lots of other factors that, that matter. But the populism was a key part of it, but not the only thing that, that caused his success. But you know, it's not the, there's no there's no simple single bullet to explain Trump's victory.
0: It's a very complicated <laughs> question, isn't it? Well, let's move on now to the presidency and. So Trump ran a certain way as um, a campaigner, but as a president, I think some might argue that he's, he's changed a bit and he's not, um, he's not doing all of the things that perhaps he presented that he might, he might do while he was campaigning. Is Trump still a populist or has, has something shifted now that he's actually in office?
1: That's a very interesting question. I mean, I think, I mean, the first thing i say that in American politics, there's a key differentiation between campaigning and, and governing. So, it's always been the case that 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 you have to shift gears to win an election, to build the coalition that wins an election, is not the same as um, uh, winning, um, uh, winning, the, uh, building the coalition to govern, and that they're different practices. So, so all all presidents come in and have to kind of change the gear a little bit. So that that, that that's true of all of them. But you're certainly right that, that what Trump promised in terms of his, his campaign uh, was, in some senses, more radical and more populist than than, than, than than certainly, obviously, the Clinton was was presenting. And therefore, once in office, he's, he's, he's having a, he he faces more of a, a, a potential change. Or you think, well, he has to change. But what what's interesting to me is he hasn't changed. I think um, I think populists when they get into into office and they do get into office. They can stay in office as well. They have three choices. Populists can either, first of all, moderate their populism. You saw that with someone like Silvio Berlusconi in Italy. You get in and you you moderate it. You moderate your politics, you moderate your policies, you even moderate your rhetoric, but you still kind of put on that thing of being an outsider. I'm still an outsider, I'm still being hounded by the press or the judiciary in, me, in Berlusconi's case. But another option that the um, populist politicians sometimes do is they change they, they get into power they've made these these promises they've made these promises of radical change they find it very difficult to actually get the policies through so they change the institutions and you see that in latin american examples of, of populism people like correa um, who will come in and will, will shape the political institutions in ways that then suit them allow them to carry out the sort of promises that, that they promised Trump couldn't do that. He, it's it's very very difficult to change the institutions of American politics. It's a very rigid system in some senses about constraining individual power. So he couldn't do that. So the third thing you can do as a populist, if you're not going to moderate, or you're not going to change it, your, you're not going to change the institutions, is uh, is to just confront things, to 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 have a head-on kind of ongoing battle. Now I can't think of any better description uh, of the the first months of the Trump presidency. It's been a constant battle, and and that that's a battle between different um, between different forces, both within, institutions, within the institutions, but within between the Republicans and the Democrats, but also between issues and and trying to get things done. So I think he he's he's had a much more confrontational ride, and I think that's quite that means that that in practice. It's been pretty difficult for him to deliver. I mean, uh, uh, the things that he promised were about "I'm going to build a wall." On day one, I'm going to build a wall. I—that's uh, not been happening. I'm going to—I'm going to ban Muslim Im- immigration. Well, he tried. It's not happening now. You know, th- those those things can emerge over time, and he can have more success. I'm going to, ref- you know, get rid of Obamacare.
0: Well, again, it's not gone yet. That's not so, yeah. That's not going very well currently. <laughs> well, and,
1: uh, and this is not. Uh, 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 it's not to make a normative judgment about what should and shouldn't be happening, but just taking the scorecard. He said, I'm going to do this from day one. I'm going to get this stuff done. Well, no, you you didn't. And you you probably couldn't. And you probably knew you couldn't, actually, in in some respects. Um, And therefore, he's running a a presidency that is confrontational, quite unproductive in in policy terms. Um, Now, the paradox here is that for populists, they can make defeat into success. Because if you go into office and you say, there's an establishment there are against me, uh, or everyone's working against me and I'm working for you, and you can't get things done, you can still say, you can, your, your appeal is still maintained, oh, look, they're, they're, they're winning, I showed, I told you they were powerful, I told you they weren't listening to you. So the paradox of populism is that defeat can often be turned into success. Now, of course, the question is, how, for how long? Can you keep this going for four years? Can you keep this going for eight years, perhaps? maybe the thing we know about trump is that he's been very effective at doing the things that we thought he couldn't be effective at doing getting into office and and staying into office so i don't think he's really moderated his populism i don't think he's really moderated um the the core attributes that he has um and i and i think that um yeah i I don't I, i i think you've got a confrontational disruptive presidency and i um I don't want to predict because I'm not good at prediction, but I I think we're going to look back at this time as a very unusual time of American politics, however long it lasts, two, four, eight, six, eight years, you know, but I think we're going to look at this as kind of a different time of American politics.
0: That's all very interesting. Thank you for for sharing all of your thoughts. I just wanted to finish up today by thinking about, with your knowledge of populism, um, what this what perhaps we might see in the future, and I know you said you don't, it's difficult to kind of predict, but you've mentioned before that that populism is oftentimes cyclical. Do you have any kind of insights on what we might expect in terms of kind of populism? Is this something that might be here to stay for for a little while in American politics?
1: I think it's, it's very difficult. I think that I've, in the past, always thought that populism is quite, self-limiting that it has a kind of it's very difficult to talk about a long-term populist regimes there have been some in history people like juan peron in argentina and so on you can talk of being a long-term regime but in general populism is always quite short-lived in a sense populism wants to get get back to its unpolitics. it wants to get out of politics if you're a populist supporter you're somebody who doesn't really want to be involved in politics politics is a dirty dangerous corrupting activity uh, the, and very often the rhetoric will be from populist leaders like Trump. I need to get in there, sort things out, and the implication is I'm going to disappear, and, and things will be fine, and you can go back to ignoring politics if you, if you want to. Now, you know, I think that so there's a kind of instinctive and an embedded idea of wanting to get out of politics, and that's that feeds the what the idea that is episodic, that the idea of a professional polit, uh, professional. Populist politician is almost a contradiction in terms. In practice, it's not, of course, because you get people who like, who enjoy it. But the sort of, in terms of the, the idea, the narrative about themselves, it's very difficult. So I'm tempted to say that populism is, is always episodic, but it can. <laughs> how long the episodes last, I don't know. I mean, it, it, as I say, two, four, six, eight, eight. It could be an eight-year eight process. What we see from populism is that it changes. Populism has a real effect on politics it binarizes politics, it makes it dichotomous. It's almost sort of self-reinforcing re- because populism likes the idea that the world is separating the good and evil. Now the, the paradox there is that the normal process of politics is what I would call iterated, differentiated, pluralistic politics where people are having different positions um, and arguing about them. But actually populism is like an elephant in the room. It comes in and it forces everybody into one corner and it forces you to collapse all the differences on the other side. And that's that's quite difficult in the long term for for the opponents of of populism, and it means it's quite difficult for them to mobilise. So that there might be real difficulty about how to mobilise against Trump in, if he if he makes it to running in, for a second term. Um, so you can see I'm being really guarded here. I, I would imagine he won't stay in office for for eight years. I uh, I would imagine that I'm not a psychologist, I don't know his personality. I imagine this is not a particularly enjoyable process for him. The confrontation that you might enjoy on the campaign trail is very difficult than than the confrontation that you have once in office and that confrontation is against you and not allowing you to implement things. So I think there's a kind of natural life uh, span to Trump's populism, but I don't know how long that is.
0: Thank you. I just want to add on one final question and that's kind of, how do you take on a populist? So looking ahead, and we're already kind of seeing rumors of, of which Democrats might be uh, the, considering taking on Trump um, in a few years. What, what, if, you were giving, if you were giving these Democrats advice, what is the best way to, to take on a, a populist?
1: The question of how to combat populism is kind of a perennial one. And I think we've learned what not to do um, in uh, in the European terms it's often been about how we should ignore populists and, and pretend they don't exist and, and treat them as kind of untouchables and, and uh, uh, pretend that they're not there well that's not worked in Europe and that's not a possibility when Trump's the president so that, that's not a possibility um, what I think if you want to combat populism if you think it's a bad thing then I think um, you have to go to the core of what politics is about and that's about um, what I said before, it's about differentiated, pluralistic politics. And I think the point about combating populism is not to find a single, to, to seek a, a, a single solution to it, uh, but to combat it on all the different fronts. You have to, And you have to say there are different reasons for, for not liking or not wanting the, the populism that we have. And to not try and build a united front against populism. That's the paradox here. The more that you try and say, um, we have we 're all united in being anti trump he 's dominating the agenda, and populism is is compressing differentiated pluralistic politics into a very simple form that works actually for populists. It works say look look at them they 're all against me, therefore that proves i 'm right. I think it needs to be differentiated. what you need is is different attacks and different different critiques and and you need to, you need to re establish the normality of what I would call representative politics. you need to establish Different forms of ideological conflict with Trump um, or the populists. Different forms, uh, um, different forms of politics propose different solutions, and those solutions can't simply be "let's get rid of Trump." They have to be "no, we don't like his healthcare plans because of A, B, and C," and there are different different reasons you can oppose it. it. Is to keep a differentiated pluralistic politics going is the best way in the long term to combat populism, but it's also extremely difficult to do. And it's extremely hard to do when actually you're throwing your hands up, if you are, and saying, my gosh, the whole system is, is having a huge problem. We must we must confront this problem. So you've got to think about the long term as far as I'm concerned.
0: Well, thank you so much for, for coming by and talking with us. I learned a lot about populism today. And we will be um, back again soon with another Trump Watch Sussex episode. Thank you for tuning in today.